Lady Wang was not naturally unkind. On the contrary, she was an exceptionally lenient mistress. This was, in fact, the first time in her life that she had ever struck a maid. But the kind of shamelessness of which, in her view, Golden had just been guilty, was the one thing she had always most abhorred. It was the uncontrollable anger of the morally outraged that had caused her to strike Golden and call her names. And though Golden now begged and pleaded, she refused to retract her dismissal. When Golden's mother, old Mrs. Bai, had been eventually fetched, the wretched girl, utterly crushed by her shame and humiliation, was led away. Thanks everybody, welcome to another exciting installation of Rereading the Stone. This is Kevin Wilson, uh, joined as always by William Jones. Will, how are things today? Uh, good. Um, it's now full heat of summer in Hong Kong, and so uh, everything is unbearably sweltering outside, um, just like in the chapter we're about to cover. So it's yes. in perfect harmony. Yes. How about you? That's great. There's nothing, or, although sometimes it's good to, you know, if a hot summer day, you want to uh, like read about the Antarctic or something. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but if, yeah, if, if the weather in the story is the same as the weather in real life, you can get that nice um, uh, Jajen synthesis going on. The, yeah. uh, the, the intermixing of reality and fiction. Um, so, we are, this week, we're dealing with chapter 30, uh, which in the Hawks translation is subtitled, Bao Chai speaks of a fan and castigates her deriders, uh, while Charmant scratches a Chang and mystifies a beholder. And so we're going to hear about uh, what that means. And uh, I, I'd say this is a pretty um, pretty exciting chapter. There's, some, there's a few memorable scenes um yeah there's there's drama in this chapter definitely so we're dealing with like some yes some canonical moments in our canonical fiction um do you want to start off with the uh recap yeah a little summary sure sure so so in the last chapter um the family at the center of the story the 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 jia family they went to a Taoist temple to make a kind of offering uh, and then afterwards to watch some various plays and while they're there a number of different things happen Uh, and on their return from the temple our uh, central character Jia Baoyu 
this uh, teenage boy, the, the, the son of the household, uh, and his cousin and love interest, Lin Dayu, have a kind of blazing argument. Um, and they've been arguing a lot in recent chapters, but this one even is um, of a particular intensity. Uh, so leaving that chapter, the two are still kind of... Um, they haven't made up, really, basically. They, they, um, they're still upset with each other. So at the beginning of the chapter, that's where we pick things up. Bao Yu and Dai Yu are still, still angry at each other, um, and he goes around to apologize and try and kind of make things make things right. But he ends up making things worse. He puts his foot in it, leaving them both in tears. Uh, at that moment, they're interrupted by uh, Wang Xifeng, who's one of the young women of the household and is kind of the dynamo at the center of the household who who oversees all all of the different kind of um comings and goings um so they're interrupted by her and she sees them quietly crying and thinks that they've actually they have made up uh and so she takes them off to see uh their grandmother grandmother Jia. um and while they're there Yu again puts his foot in it but this time by insulting his other cousin and other love interest xue bao chai uh, so she leaves, and he's left alone. Uh, so wandering the house in the middle of the day, in the, in the hot sunshine, he eventually finds his way to his mother, Lady Wang's rooms, where she's she's kind of having a, a midday nap, while her her maid servant Golden, um, kind of lazily massages her legs while kind of half asleep herself. So Bayu sees her, and he strikes up a conversation with her, with a kind of sexually suggestive tone. She plays along with this, uh, until Lady Wang overhears, and in anger at this kind of shameless behaviour as she sees it, she, she sacks Golden on the spot, even though she's been her maid for ten years. At this point, Bayu sneaks away into the garden, um, where he finds a figure in a rose-covered pergola scratching something on the ground. Uh, it turns out it's one of the troop of actresses that lives in the garden, um, and she's carving one character into the soil over and over and over. At that point, a sudden summer shower begins to fall, and both Balyu and this actress are soaked. So he runs back to his lodgings, uh, but in the meantime, the, the maids who wait on him at his house have created an, an impromptu pond in the courtyard from all of the rainwater and filled it up with some ducks. And they're so caught up in this excitement that they don't hear him knocking and calling at first. By the time someone goes to let him in, he's completely furious. And before the door is even fully open, he kicks out whoever's opened it in anger. Uh, and the person who's opened it is his, his maidservant and kind of lover, uh, Aroma, Huasiyuren. Um, and he strikes her quite hard and even though she plays off and acts like it was nothing we later see that she has a, a very serious bruise and is in fact coughing up blood and that's where the chapter ends Wow, you know, listening to you give the recap I was struck by how it really seems as if the whole chapter is organized around uh, Bao Yu's various faux pas and sort of uh, social gracelessness Um and so uh, maybe that's a theme for all chapters, but uh, just hearing the recap again uh, and kind of reviewing in my mind the events of the chapter, I was really struck by how this one in particular seems to be sort of a uh, 
instead of a cor- a tour instead of a tour of the garden it's a tour of like all the possible forms of um s- sort of like transgression of etiquette yeah he really does just veer from like one disaster to the next really he just <laughs> Everywhere he goes, he leaves a trail of destruction, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But in different ways. So it's not the same thing over and over again. It's like a kind of a... He has sort of a uh, multifaceted uh, skilllessness set or something. <laughs> yeah, he has a great ability to put his foot in, in a whole... Yeah, wondrous variety, of things, I suppose. <laughs> There's some serious uh, content in there as well. So the... the uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but the sacking of the maid is... It happened so quick, but but it is so uh, you know sets off you know it's so consequential. Uh, it kind of shows you um, sort of like a crack in the uh, in the in the firmament, you know. The, the, uh, yeah. Like the, like how I don't know a sense of fragility to the whole kind of Oedipus. That's another way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what about you? What do you think? What, um, what are your impressions? I'd probably share your view. Um, it's Balu is the one link through all of the different scenes, um, and he doesn't come out of it looking very good. To be honest, <laughs> I think uh, I think we talked before about how my view is increasingly like there are almost no characters in the book that I actually like. Much as I enjoy reading it, I don't necessarily <laughs> <laughs> particularly like any of the characters that much, and this. Uh, chapter does nothing to um, improve my impression of Baoyu. Mm-hmm. Um, um. My my response to that is like if you want even more disagreeable characters, so you have to return to the classic uh, Jin Bingmei, uh, Plum in the Golden Vase, uh, for kind of the. Is everyone in that just just? I, I'd say yeah. The, the 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 baseline is a lot worse. And the um, capacity for depravity seems greater, even. Uh, and so it's a question of maybe it's a different social milieu, right? You know, I guess this family is a lot better off uh, and has been for a while. And so, like, their kinds of um, crimes against humanity have a different character to them, you could say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Let's, let's, uh, let's jump right in. How about that? Um yeah yeah so so what we start with um Dayu speaking to her maid nightingale right mm-hmm. um and they're discussing this recent argument between Dayu and Baoyu um and uh, yeah interestingly enough her maid is kind of telling her off she's she's giving her a kind of tick <laughs> for being so well what exactly kind of she's very easily upset uh, you know emotionally is quite I don't want to say unstable but you know her emotional state fluctuates somewhat in a way that's not really surprising for a teenager I suppose right yeah what is the word um she's kind of temperamental I suppose okay yeah that's a good one yeah that's kind of neutral it was interesting in this scene that uh yeah it, it was kind of funny that like Dayu doesn't really get her wish um it's as if like her maid is sort of like a, a nominal uh, kind of designation. Really, it's it's the the Jia family's maids, right? And just one has been assigned to her. Yeah. And so, yeah, her ability to like mm. her inability to keep Bao Yu out, um, 
is, is partly reflective of that. Um, but I also think partly reflective of, yeah, these relationships, whether between the cousins or between um, them and their, like, maid staff, in, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, are these kind of ambiguous sort of um, mixes between friendship and uh, something more like just, like, implore, employer, e- employee, uh, at, at the same time that, it, yeah, it, it it is, like strictly hierarchical uh, and so you see kind of in these weird moments I guess different um, nodes in the network uh, move closer to the screen kind of so to speak different kind of methods of foregrounding different elements yeah she's she Nightingale's quite frank with her you know she says that she's being childish uh, she says that Dayu is more to blame than Balyu for whatever the most recent argument was um, mm-hmm. And she says she often kind of wrongly blames, um, wrongly blames Balu. You know, she she um, she almost reflexively um, kind of blames him, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you know, she's just in the midst of telling her this when there's a knock at the door, or you know, there's a knock at the entrance to the courtyard uh, outside, um, and it's Balu, and Dayu immediately says, "I forbid you to let him in." You know, um, and that I think, even though it's just a small moment, is so kind of telling to me. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, her 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 reflex reaction is to say, "Tell him to piss off." You know, uh-huh. um, um, she's I guess so kind of easily wounded, um, just kind of, uh, yeah, has this innate tendency to push people away. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and it's kind of it, it is funny how uh, you know little heed made uh, takes, <laughs> and and yeah. you know uh, like immediately opens the door for Bao Yu. Uh, the fact that it is a hot summer day feels like itself a kind of intervening, like all these back and forth. She's gonna see Bao Yu sooner or later, kind of thing. Uh, the fact that it's it's hot summer day seems to uh, cut through a lot of uh, this this sort of. It's comp- complicated dialogue. Fog almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but again, that is also a reflection of the fact that you know her maid is not really her maid. It's Bao Yu's maid. He's in control of this of this scene, and, and really of all these scenes in uh, in this chapter, right? And and, and oh, I think okay. his like kind of inability to sort of take responsibility, like to be in charge but not to act as if he's in charge is arguably sort of, um, you know, why there's some pretty, uh, like, unsavory outcomes to the things that happen in this chapter, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, he is admitted right away, and they kind of, they, they jump right back into their sort of classic kind of um, uh, one-upsmanship uh, rhetoric. Uh, sooner than later... Uh, there's actually a really kind of critical um, escalation of the death threats. So it's always like one of them is like, I, I would just die. It was like, well, I would, if you die, I'll die first. And so today's, this chapter's innovation is, uh, you, maybe you can tell the story better, but, but Dayu um, says something like, well, like, uh, as if I were dead then. Yeah, she's doing, she's doing that thing of, I suppose, realizing perhaps that she is in the wrong. 
and saying, you know, it's fine. I, I, I make no further claims on you. You know, don't just don't don't worry about me. I should just pretend it's as if I've you know gone away and disappeared. Um, and then yeah, as you say, Balu says, well, I would follow you. If you went away, I would follow you. Yes, yes. And she says, well, uh, uh, pretend I'm dead then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he, here's the key um, line. He says, if you die, I should become a monk. Uh, which is a little bit of like foreshadowing going on. Uh, but it's also, I, I don't know, that that's a new innovation in the like in the death rhetoric. I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting. What if in Romeo and Juliet, instead of, uh, you know, the, the dual suicides, what if one of them became a monk? Yeah. That story would be completely different. <laughs> it would have been much less tragic, definitely. Um, um, so what, what... The general context for the argument, uh, the, the general context for the argument was this... Dayu had a, a kind of a revealing comment where she says something to the effect of, you know, we're not children anymore. You know, there's different... The, the rules of our interactions have changed. Compared to most of her comments, that one seemed a little bit more productive, right, in some ways. Uh, and so I, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I also thought the, yeah, the monk uh, kind of um, argument and, and the fact that that had a, a strong effect on uh, Dayu, it, it seems to, it really lended the, lended the conversation a certain gravitas of being... Uh, you know, like just like yeah, like superficially gothic. <laughs> yeah. What? Why do you think that she gets so um, kind of animated and upset about the monk comment? Because it seems like a kind of, you know, stupid childish thing to say, but it really seems to rile her up to a surprising degree. Um, I guess. I think maybe because it, it is kind of you know she. She's not gonna uh, bring up, you know, her desires for marriage, right? That's, uh, but that's probably in the back of her head. That's kind of like the unspoken, like symbol in in the in the semiotic space, right? And so to become a monk, that that's kind of like it's similar. Like you you either get married or you become a monk, right? In this civilization, and in in a lot of traditional civilizations, that kind of is a like a fundamental fork in the road. Um, and so by referencing one path, you know, it comes almost too close to the other one. You know, the other, the other path is referenced kind of in absentia. Uh, That being said, her, her immediate response is a little bit different. It's, she says in the Hawks translation, what an utterly idiotic thing to say. Suppose your own sisters were to die. How many times can one person become a monk? Which I guess the implication there is no, you have to save that um, that gesture for when your sister dies, uh, which is interesting because there there have been a lot of stories more or less to that effect. That's kind of a um, that's almost like a a classic form, a kind of archetype. Although I don't really buy into, I, I'm I'm kind of critical of most archetype discourses. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more Freudian than Jungian. Um, but still, yeah, that 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 seems like an interesting comment, and it kind of it seems familiar, in, in a way. What what do you did you have any did that like stand out to you when you read it? I wonder if it's just kind of displaced anger. I I think it's probably what you're driving at originally that there's this this point about uh, marriage or 
absenting oneself entirely from the kind of like sexual marketplace mm-hmm. for want of a better word and so maybe him bringing that up angers her but she can't give voice to that exactly so she transfers that anger into a different comment because um, she does seem remarkably annoyed by it you know she 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 can't really think of anything to say and so she just jabs you know very aggressively towards his face um, with her finger <laughs> uh-huh yes yes uh I guess that's not the first time she's she's kind of a poker. She <laughs> she um, is a bit, isn't she? I don't know. Like that's another. You'd also you know talk talk to one's psychoanalyst about that. Uh, I'm sure they'd have some kind of comments. So uh, so <laughs> so this brings them both um, to tears. Yes. And um, and she is wiping her eyes with a handkerchief, and he has nothing with which to wipe his eyes. So he uses the sleeve, the sleeve of his gown. He uses the sleeve of his gown, <laughs> and she a new gown, right? Yeah, and so she gives him a, a handkerchief of her own to wipe his eyes with. Um. And um, yeah, he he takes up her he takes her hand um, to say something, and that's what, as you mentioned, like triggers this comment about them not being children anymore. You know, he can't just kind of grab her and 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 um physical contact between mm-hmm. children uh i think she she presents as being kind of perfectly innocent whereas this between them as teenagers um carries like m- more uh, i guess like adult connotations or like implications um yeah right uh, and at that point <laughs> they are interrupted by Sifeng as we said and um yes she she sees them and she thinks that they've they've made up um but one of the comments she makes is really revealing because it cuts across exactly the thing that Dayu was just saying so Dayu was saying we're we're not children anymore and um Shifeng says like the older you get the more like children you are you know <laughs> in chinese you had you had so yeah, yeah. The bigger you get, the more like children you are. Um, and so, clearly, not everyone sees it the same way. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she has some uh, some choice remarks, uh, and she actually goes so far as so they've been holding hands. She seizes uh, Dayu's hand, uh, and there's even a there's even a, a remark. What do you want to call them for? You've got me to wait on you now. When uh when Dayu calls for her maids, but they don't, again they don't come, you know they don't come when she calls, uh sort of underscoring that she gets no respect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and so she's kind of being manhandled by uh, Shifang, which is in keeping with her character as we've uh, discussed it so far, right? Um, and so Bayu kind of follows behind. He's not being dragged by the hand. Um. Mm-hmm. And she takes them off to see yes. Grandmother Jia, who I think has been quite put out by the fact that these two haven't been getting on um, and also haven't really been showing up to all of the different kind of uh, family functions because they've been feuding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and indeed, I think in the last, you know, towards the end of the last chapter, she was lamenting this fact and saying, you know, uh, I wish I was dead you know, once I die, then they'll understand how terrible it is to, you know, uh, you know, how terrible it is for me, kind of the the loving grandmother with the ungrateful grandchildren, you know, uh-huh. a familiar, a familiar tale. 
and so who's there uh, with Grandmother Jia but uh, Bao Chai? I guess this is Bao Yu's second chance in this chapter to um, put his foot in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and, and I mean, just just to highlight one thing about the kind of dynamic here, one of the main reasons why Bao Yu and Dai Yu have been arguing a lot or particularly one of the reasons why she feels kind of, uh, I guess, insecure and therefore prone to argument is um, this whole maneuvering around uh, love and marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, she clearly thinks there's a some aspect of the relationship between Bao Yu and Bao Chai, which uh, is kind of concerning to her on that front. Because they have these kind of matching lockets and because... Um, uh, Bao Chai's mother clearly sort of is angling for that for that marriage to happen mm. at some point in the future. Yeah, and so so the two of them not really being reconciled, but being dragged into this room, only to be confronted with one of the kind of sources of that distemper, um, kind of heightens the, mm. the, the the tension, I guess, in this scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, it's again, it's a hot day. And so this is another instance in which uh, Bao Chai's figure is going to be uh, is going to come into play. In previous chapters, there was a lot of talk about how she's uh, has a sort of more uh, uh, she's more taken to sweating, yeah. Yeah. and that's been described in at least two or three times now. Uh, and so today, it's a kind of a similar issue where um, there's some question: well, Why isn't uh, Bao Chai? watching the plays, the performances. And she says that she can't stand the heat. Uh, she watched a few of them, but she couldn't stay any longer. Uh, I think, so So yeah, so um, when the, when Bayou and Dayu first arrive, almost to kind of like cut the tension, or for want of something better to say, Bayou apologizes for not attending uh, the birthday of Baochai's older brother, Xuepan. Um the 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 day before or or, or uh -huh. you know a few days previously um he says basically you know he wasn't he wasn't feeling well um and he hopes you know he hopes that Shuapan understands that he was really ill and not just pretending to be ill to miss it um and i think that this is kind of what's important is that when Baljai is talking about the plays she says it was so hot and she wanted to leave but nobody else was going so she didn't have an excuse to leave, so she had to feign in uh had to feign illness in order to leave. Um and Bao Yu understands this to be a like a, a barbed remark directed at him uh -huh. um for having missed um Xuapan's birthday. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> but then he just immediately puts his foot right back in it. Um <laughs> And so yeah. He says, no wonder they compare you to Yang Guifei, cousin. This is the Hawks translation. You are well covered like her. And they always say that plump people fear the heat. Um, <laughs> so we, we've seen this comparison before, right? The the Bao Chai being compared to Yang Guifei, um, uh -huh. like noble concubine Yang, one of the four beauties of Chinese history. Uh, and by contrast, Dayu's often compared to Zhao uh, Feiyan, uh, fl Flying Sparrow, one of the concubines of, uh, one of the Han emperors, I forget which one, who's 
very very slim whereas Yang Weifei is normally yeah described as kind of rather plump so in the original have you seen the yeah. I haven't seen these expressions before so in the original it's when he's what Hawks has plumper it's uh, so like literally like an abundant belly I guess an abundant you have a a rich belly. Yeah, I, I, a I little put bit. well padded. How, how would you? Yeah, I put well padded. Well padded. Basically. Okay. Full as in well. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, anything. Yeah, a rich, uh, rich, rich belly is a <laughs> quite quite a good way. Of I was just I was kind of struck by the. It's always like, how do you express these things in different uh, time periods? Um, yeah, yeah. Very different from like. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I. Although I haven't experienced it per- personally, I've certainly have um, friends, you know, f- foreigners who visited China, um, and their their friends have remarked on how they've they uh, they've become fat. But they often just say like, "Okay, ni uh, or "ni fa which is just yes, like, yeah, you've yeah, become fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like very very direct. There's no there's no euphemism. There's mm. no um, uh, delicately kind of um, like surrounding the comment in 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 polite phrases. Although, yeah, but isn't there some kind of a, sometimes a bit of a connotation like um, you're healthy, you know, you've been eating well. Yeah, and, and so, but anyway, here, um, and it's kind of interesting that we do see um, this like question of like what is the ideal form of because it, it isn't as if uh, the author seems to say these are two forms of the ideal feminine beauty. Um, and to be honest, there's a similar controversy, or at least there used to be, in sort of art history and sort of a, a question of whether different kinds of beauty were more popular during certain periods, right? And, and whether there's kind of a, some kind of, if that's a reflection of society, you know, relations of production and all these kinds of things. Um, so yeah, it, it, is, it is remarkable, I think, that you have um, different cultures you know, separated uh, linguistically and, um, and and in all these kinds of ways, uh, you do see sometimes similar uh, controversies, similar issues. It makes you wonder, yeah, what kind of like theory of history do you need for, to understand what's going on here? Um, but yeah, long story short, this comment uh, was not taken well. No, um, <laughs> it is not well received. Uh, but of course... This is this is Bao Chai, and she's always above, above you know petty skirmishes. She's kind of the anti Shifang in that way, hmm. you know, like the exact opposite. And so her response has a a, a bit of um, we got to unpack this a little bit, right? So she says, "I may be like Yang Guifei in some respects, but I don't think there is much danger of my cousin becoming a prime minister." Um, yeah. So how? What's that a reference to? Yeah, so 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 Yang Guifei's cousin was uh, Yang Guozhong, and yeah, he's a, a high official at the time. So this is under the Tang Dynasty, basically. Uh, and so the jab is that Bao Yu will never make anything of himself. Um, you know, there's there's no risk of him ever achieving high office. Okay. She might be Yang Guifei, but he is not Yang Guozhong. Okay. Um, that's 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 a good response. I like that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is quite a a good kind of riposte, but <laughs> I actually looked into the history of it a bit, um, 
And the thing is, Yang Guozhong is actually, um, he was a terribly incompetent minister. Um, it seems that he only got the job in the first place because he was the cousin of Yang Guifei, who was already the, the <laughs> concubine to the emperor. Okay. Um, and he, he, along with others, is supposed to have done such a bad job of governing that he can be considered partly responsible for the uprising by uh, the general An Lushan, uh, which very nearly overthrew the Tang Dynasty. Um, it very severely weakened it, leading to its collapse, and is by some metrics the bloodiest conflict in human history. Oh, right, uh, right. There's some... If if you measure the number of deaths as a proportion of the world. Right, right, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the status... There's some issues there, because sometimes the you know the officially reported numbers, you, you never really they're like accurate or if they're being inflated for political reasons. Um, yeah, yeah, it's based on it's based but, on census data from before and after the 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 rebellion. And yeah, yeah, that's. I think that the claim is probably, as you say, inflated. Um, but there is no. But it's still, it, yeah, it seems to be clearly one of the big, you know, like historical events in the Tang Dynasty. This is the one to make sure you know about. <laughs> um, there are a lot of, you know, like a lot of, a lot of like civil unrest in China, really do amount to some of the most. Um, like bloody battles like in all of history, in global history. Like people don't really know very much about the Taiping Rebellion, mm. but you know it's almost contemporaneous with the the U.S. Civil War. But the uh, and the casualties are like maybe you know ten times um, yeah. those of the Civil War. But most people haven't even heard of it. Yeah, um, I mean that's a completely so, fascinating time in history as well. Just you know, I mean most Western, yeah, like. No one in the U.S. knows about it unless they've studied yeah, yeah, Chinese course. history. But the, I mean, the, the 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 context in which it's set and the ideology of the Taiping rebels as well is like completely bonkers. Yes, so yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, so for fortunately at this point, uh, Baoyu's embarrassment um, at being kind of verbally skewered in this way um, is interrupted by uh, a maid um, mm -hmm. she enters and she um, yeah she's referred to in the hawks as pretty kins basically which I guess kins being a kind of like um, a suffix indicating like a like a cute term of endearment of someone's uh -huh. name um, in the Chinese she's jing are which, yeah, Jing being a uh, word meaning kind of like beautiful mm -hmm. uh, or alternatively like makeup or adornment. Um, I wanted to touch on this briefly because uh, this is actually the most commonly used word in Cantonese for attractive. Okay. Uh, it's pronounced Lang, basically. And so like, whereas uh, like in Mandarin, things might be Piao Liang or they might be Hao Kan or they might be Mei Li. In Cantonese, everything is Lang. <laughs> um, and it's this character, basically. Interesting. Um, I guess it'd be Liang in, <laughs> so, in Mandarin, right? Well, you would think so, but apparently the Chinese the, the, sorry, you would think so, but the Mandarin equivalent is apparently Jin. Okay. Um, I, so I don't, I don't know how that, how there's such a significant, like, um, significant kind of like phonological diversion. You know, pronunciation is so different. Okay. Uh, anyway. Um. And so this, yeah. What about this maid? Um, she she comes in and knowing Bao Chai's character as being kind of very um, forbearing, um, considerate, you know, patient. Um, she jokes 
that she's lost her fan and she thinks that Balchai must have taken it and hidden it somewhere. Okay. And, you know, 99% of the time, um, she wouldn't react poorly to this. Um, but in the exact moment she interrupts, she's obviously a bit fired up. And so <laughs> quite out of character, she really kind of tells off this this young maid for messing around. And obviously this has nothing to do with her and, you know, frankly, <laughs> F off. <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. thing. Actually, so we see this a lot in this chapter. This is a common theme of like you're angry for a different reason, and then you just displace all that anger on your um, on some kind of subordinate member of the establishment. Yes, uh, <laughs> so we've seen it a few times now, and we're gonna. Yeah, we commented on it last time. I think this idea of like mm-hmm. the anger always rolling downhill, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyone who's like you know been in a uh, like undesirable employment situation it knows exactly what we're talking about i think yeah yeah <laughs> it's like it's like a kind of food chain right but for for anger yeah or for res- yeah resentment. yeah that's interesting um, R- resentment <laughs> it's, it's nietzschean um, um <laughs> so observing all of this is dayu and she's okay. secretly rather pleased with this um, <laughs> yeah. yeah this this conflict between Balchai and Balyu and also seeing Balchai lose her temper at this this maid uh-huh. and so she very innocently asks her which plays she had been watching before she left because of the heat um <laughs> and <laughs> so which play has she watched uh, okay uh, well I have the hawks open it says the play I saw was Li Kuei abuses Song Zhang and afterwards has to say he is sorry. <laughs> and so the joke is she gave like the long title uh, of what is actually like the real, the short title is um, Abject Apology. But the long title had a kind of, um, it's again another way of um, speaking about one thing in order to talk about another. She's, she's yeah, she's needling values. Uh-huh. Though, she? uh, and also sort of uh, maybe responding to Dayu's sort of... Uh, vicarious enjoyment of her humiliation yeah uh my like my kind of response to that is it isn't you don't get the impression that uh dayu is malicious at least in this chapter um but she is petty so it's kind of a that's an important distinction to make because uh, being petty is one thing but being malicious that's a step further. It is, isn't it? it <laughs> the the um, this is kind of the the play itself was interesting to me because these are two characters from the the water margin, right? Outlaws of the marsh, mm-hmm. uh, Shui Hu Zhuan, uh-huh. one of the other four classics yes. of Chinese literature. And apparently, Li Kuei, the character who has to say he is sorry, um, his he is a, basically a good character, um, but he's known as um, Hei Xuan Feng, the the black whirlwind. Um, and um, I get the the impression that associating him with Baoyu in this scene is extremely apt, um, because I think that he's broadly a good character, but there is something kind of blundering in his nature, okay. which causes, uh, yeah, causes him to often, um, perhaps through, perhaps inadvertently or through just a lack of kind of consideration for others often kind of like cause offense or, or some form of like okay yeah it sounds like he is also a kind of a, a whirlwind of 
ineffectuality, you know, <laughs> just constantly yeah. being his heartstrings being pulled in in various directions, uh, all to not, uh, to no avail. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she like yeah, that's her. Um, she returns the uh, the opening serve, and the result is the two lovebirds are. Uh, uh, blushing now with embarrassment. Oh well, no. We, I think we miss one bit, right? Which is she. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, she she gives the full name. She gives the full long okay, name. Okay. Right. The. Um, and then Bali says, "Well, you know, you're you're a very uh, informed, like intelligent person. Surely you know that that's that it has a shorter name, which is the the abject apology, right? Uh-huh. And Balchai says, "Abject apology. Well, yeah." Uh, I'm sure you two would know a thing about that, like, you know. So, so she she twists the knife even a little bit more. Though. Yes, even yes. She, she she digs it in just a little bit further. Um, okay. The 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 abject apology here. I don't know whether this is a helpful diversion or not, but I looked into the the phrase. It's fu jin qing zui, and apparently this is from the Warring States period. It's a it's a Chang'e, yeah. right? One of the yeah. states was uh, Zhao. And they uh-huh. had a, was a minister Lin Xiangru who was like very um, uh, successful and was repeatedly mm-hmm. promoted. And his rise caused resentment among others, including the old general Lian Po, um, who was you know a very successful general within the state. Um, and he was very kind of yeah resentful towards uh, Lin, but Lin refused to engage in this feud. Um, this led to accusations of cowardice against him, but he said. It was due to putting national concerns above personal ones. And this, you know, him saying this made Lian Po so ashamed that he offered up his own back for Lin Xiangru to whip it, basically. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so... The, the, so, like, literally, you uh, you bring a bramble and you ask to be punished. Yeah. Right? So the Jing is, like, a kind of... Uh, a, like, a, a branch mm-hmm. that could be used for, like, flogging. Something. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, that that does kind of sound like Bao Yu sometimes. <laughs> uh, like after a few more days, that'll be his um, sorry state. Uh, indeed, as it were, um, as we shall see. So they're interrupted again, and again, it's by Shifeng. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny actually. Um, I, she's almost the comic relief in this chapter. I felt. Hmm. Um, like always, sort of the the wrong moment. Uh, it's interesting here. We get a, a sense for again, she doesn't really understand these references. Uh, this kind of reinforces the sense. So one of the questions from the beginning of the podcast was, you know, how do we understand Shifeng's status in the household, right? Because uh, we see her sort of serving the other members, but the uh, the other end of the spectrum she seems to have a lot of power and um sort of like you know administrative clout uh and so here we 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 get another sense for that yeah she maybe doesn't get the references maybe she doesn't do we know whether is it possible we were we were even speculating that she might not know how to read um yeah she she seems to have people read things out to her and write things for her as well right right? but read and write yeah we don't know whether that's because she's illiterate or because simply when you're of a certain status, you just order She's other just people. Bossy. To do, you know, take it, take, you know, yeah, yeah, take a memo or like, uh, read this to me. I'm busy. 
my eyes are too busy to look at it myself. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so there is this sort of um, yeah. We get a sense for this here because she doesn't understand what they're talking about, but she still has enough sense of character that she knows the gist of the issue, and so she kind of brings the conversation down to her level with uh, the spicy remark. Uh, rather hot weather to be eating raw ginger, isn't it? She asked. Uh, <laughs> the idea being, you know, if it's so hot, you don't necessarily want to have spicy food, right? Yeah. Um, Says no one present could understand what she meant. No one's been eating raw ginger, they said. Right, right. The, yeah, so, but then they, she kind of makes it, she explains the joke, in effect, by saying, if no one's been eating raw ginger, then why are you all looking so hot and bothered? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do think that you're right. It's it's just a passing episode, but it is quite a good illustration of her character. She um, doesn't necessarily have the benefit of education that the th the other three do, but she has this quite, I think, like profound kind of emotional intelligence, I suppose, um, where she can exactly understand what the kind of broader context is. Um, she can, yeah, she can understand what the right. situation is. Um. So I guess that's kind of the gist of that scene, right? I guess the next, the next major event is um, so Bao Yu kind of exits that scene. Another kind of another failed uh, attempt at sociality, right? <laughs> uh, and now it's it's kind of like round three at this point, and for round three, he's gonna try see what's. Maybe he's like so uh, overcome with the uh, yeah the travails of the world. He wants to return to his mother's residence to sort of um, <laughs> to recuperate. Maybe I wonder if that's a little bit of what's going on in his head at this, at this point. And so it's it's after lunch, which makes it the hottest part of the day, right? So the afternoon is usually the hottest, and so there's kind of a silence. A lot of people are sleeping. Uh, just to sort of um, just to pass these kind of intolerable hours, and so when he arrives at his mother's apartment, this is another kind of um, this scene uh, coheres with this like dream motif, you know, or I guess light motif we see uh, again and again. Um, so everyone's kind of in this like half dreamy state. Uh, and he's sort of, um, he's sort of like, he finds this charming, I think. Uh, and he starts to, uh, observe questionably, it, to, to, to questionable effect, uh, the various maids sleeping and the maid golden, Jin Chuan, catches his eye and he sort of, uh, like, um, he sort of like tiptoes up to her and, uh, and and starts to sort of tease her and uh, rouse her partially. She's sort of stuck in the liminal state between sleeping and waking. So he partially uh, rouses her and, um, you know, just starts to kind of, you know, uh, well, how, how do you describe what his interactions with uh, the maid Golden? How, how do you characterize this scene? I suppose they're initially kind of playful, right? Um, at least they're imagined to be he, <laughs> let's say that yeah for, for, for yeah exactly from his perspective definitely he kind of tweaks her her ear mm -hmm. um, 
um, which I think I would find very annoying if I was dozing off, but she takes it in good humor. Um, and he tries talking to her. He says, you know, so sleepy. But she shoes him away with her hand um, and goes back to massaging Lady Wang's legs. Um, undeterred, he takes out a kind of, it's kind of like a lozenge, something like that from a pouch at his waist um, and and puts it in her mouth. Um, mm -hmm. This is like some kind of, um, yeah, some kind of sweet, I suppose. It's like a some kind of candy. Right. In the Chinese, it's um, uh, xiangxue, so like fragrant snow. Run jin dan, so like, uh, m like almost like moist, moistening um, lozenge. Yeah, um, right. These like these kind of there's a long history of these scented pouches, um, sort of like perfume bags. Um, at least in the Chinese tradition, but I, I imagine there's some kind of um, Western European equivalent to them. Uh, and it seems to be a kind of a, a common accessory, maybe um, a way to deal with uh, the fact that uh, hygiene standards throughout traditional society uh, globally, you know, we're not necessarily up to the same standards. Oh, right. I don't know if that's an overinterpretation. Um, no, 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 but it seems like it, it seems like a kind of a an alternative to uh, deodorant. That's uh, oh, I see. Um, so, we, but also, I guess in this case, it's not just spices, but also sweets, candies, or like scented candies or something. So does this give your mouth a, yeah. a fresh flavor? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like chewing gum of a sort, uh, or or offering someone mints. Yeah, you know. Uh, but the issue here is, of course, that he like sort of like. You know, he, he engages in this transgressive, like, he inserts the lozenge, right? And so it has, like, it has a very strong kind of psychosexual undertone. Did you get that? Yeah, f feeding other people, particularly using your hands, is, like, mm -hmm. can be, depending on context, obviously, like, a very overtly sexual act. Uh -huh. or, or overtly sensual act, I suppose. Right, uh -huh. yeah. I'd say it's it's almost always. I can't, I can't think of an exception to that. Yeah. Well, I suppose <laughs> it, I... just purely if you're doing it, if somebody was too, if somebody was unable to feed themselves. Oh, okay, exactly. You know, yeah, like, you know. but even in that case, it would still be a form of intimacy. I think, even if it's uh, by necessity, yeah, that's, 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 that's always it. Just not. Yeah, let's just say it's it's dialectical. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So this is kind of um. Uh, a somewhat provocative, maybe intrusive. This is probably sexual harassment scene. Right, um, yeah, which is important because the way it's portrayed later is you know like completely divorced from the reality. Which is, you know, th this this young maid is is the victim here. If you want to use that kind of language, um, yeah. even though you know, I'm sure she would. Th this society is so run down with hierarchies that like her, she probably has favorable feelings toward Bao Yu, um, even though this particular scene was not her instigating uh and that's kind of that's that's an important thing to to kind of to, to grapple with yeah i think so, so uh, what so he's making these sexually suggestive comments to her you know uh why don't i why don't i wake uh wake her up and ask if you know she'll let me have you uh that kind of thing um and she says um kind of broadly if that's what you want, then there's no there's no reason to hurry. You know, you'll be kind of like you'll be the master one day, like, and whatever you want, you can kind of, right. You can kind of take, I suppose. 
Yeah, the, she uses a sort of um, a kind of somewhat crass analogy or, or an expression. I'm looking for it here. Yeah, what did you make of this? Uh, do you have it on, on hand? Uh, in the Hawks, uh, the phrase used is, yours is yours, wherever it be, as they said to the lady when she dropped her gold comb in the well. Um, and yeah. Um, so she's like... That's pretty much so it. What does that mean? Is she... She's a gold comb in a well. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose the idea being that, like, if you drop your, <laughs> in the situation where that, yeah, the the lady drops her her comb or her hairpin, whatever it is, down the well, mm-hmm. even though she can't get to it, she knows where it is and will be able to fish it out one day. I suppose. Okay. Is, is I my see. interpretation of it. Um, right. And actually, remember her name is uh, Jintron, which means gold uh, bracelet, literally. Yeah. So the hawks is just golden, but it's more literally something like gold bracelet. Yeah, and so it's um, so which is very similar to a gold kind of, kind of illusion you know, to herself, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a very kind of yeah, and and also I mean unconsciously quite a revealing comment about the nature of the kind of power relation between them, that mm-hmm. she is effectively an object. Um, right. You know. Right. Like that. 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 Put very frankly, that's kind of the master how the master servant relationship ultimately what it ultimately boils down to i guess in this in this uh-huh. kind of society and we saw that with uh hua Shiren, um as well yeah yeah that, that is kind of that's kind of it's really it's kind of dark when you put it that way uh but there's some truth to that and you know the the follow-up implication there which is also hard to think about is that well if you're going to be an object what kind of object it's not as if all objects are the same uh, and that's kind of the 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 cruel fate, the cruel kind of uh, status of things, status quo. There is also one, I think, much more dark piece of foreshadowing here, which is the maid golden, and Wells will be uh, kind of linked in a in a much more kind of like somber way in 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 coming chapters, mm. um, which I suppose we can pick okay. up. Okay. Um, when it when it arises, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So it's just yeah, as as a metaphor, it's quite kind of like telling on on many levels. Um, anyway, um, having having said that, she then says, you know, if if he if he wants to see, you know, if this is where his mind is wandering, then if he goes out into the the kind of east courtyard, he'll stumble across his his younger half brother with one of the other maids. We can assume having sex. Right, and so we get, we're kind of learning a lot this chapter. the The beans are the the beans are being spilled. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, unfortunately, we learn quickly that uh, Bao Yu's mother actually had not been sleeping, or not, had not been sleeping fully, uh, and the uh, the jig is up, so to speak. Um, but she is primarily angry at the maid uh golden yeah yeah um and and bao yu manages to sort of he doesn't defend her at all right this is maybe one of his great you know if there's a list of like uh bao yu's shortcomings top 10 shortcomings yeah. i'm sure this his failure to defend um golden in this moment yeah uh ranks among among them yeah among the worst definitely when he was the instigator in every respect and and she was very much like you know <laughs> politely right. politely leave me alone and go away 
I mean, it's a difficult situation, especially yeah. if he is, you know, like not in control now, but might be in control later to sort of uh, – in that situation, what are you supposed to do? Uh, she, <laughs> you know, maybe – Yeah. Mm. Uh, in the Hawks, I think it says that he just slipped away. But in the Chinese, it makes clear that he, you know, like it says Elio Yen Paula. So he's, he, he like dashed away like a – a puff of smoke. Almost, yes, you know? yeah, like a... <laughs> it just vanishes into, into it, thin air. It's a bit like in a cartoon when the character disappears and you see like the, the their, their trace, uh, the trace of their outline, but just as like, as yeah, as smoke. Very much the image here. So it's a bit comical, I think, as well. And so, so yeah, so Lady Wong kind of <clears throat> sits bolt upright in bed um, and slaps her, across, slaps Golden across the face mm-hmm. and calls her a... a in the Hawks, shameless harlot, um, uh. and um, and also accuses her of um, being responsible for kind of corrupting or leading astray the young men of the household. Um, so there really is a lot of kind of like I think mm. misplaced or displaced um, um, anger and resentment here. You know, she she. Mm-hmm. Her, her. If there's anyone to be angry at here, it is unquestionably Bayou. But he is, you know, any any autonomy, any sense of responsibility mm-hmm. is removed from him and and placed upon her shoulders. If he was being lecherous, it's because people like Golden lead him astray. It's not because that's just innate in his character. Uh, and that, yeah, that also is a regrettably familiar dynamic right that we see a lot especially in the context of um like sexual yeah um interactions um and so she actually she fires her on the spot right yeah yeah after she'd been uh you know working for the house let's say she'd been serving for a decade 10 years yeah um which is a long time and it, it just goes to show you know how how fragile these arrangements are that just all of a sudden, you know, there's like, uh, you know, there's no uh, review process. Yeah, there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no employment um, tribunal. There's accountability. Yeah. It's just sort no. of, <laughs> there's no made union that she no. can. No, she has uh, absolutely no recourse. Um, and th- this is almost kind of without sentimentality, even on the part of Lady Wang. She won't be persuaded by any kind of entreaties uh, to to forgive mm-hmm. her. I mean, Golden herself even, you know, begs to be, you know, beaten or or um, shouted at, but just anything other than being sent away. Um, but her words, her words fall on deaf ears. Right, and that again is that speaks to the sort of the, the vagaries of violence. Like, like obviously, to be beaten is a form of violence, but to l- completely lose your um, your your social status and your rank. Uh, that is itself a kind of like abstract violence, right? Which to her in that moment seemed uh, far more disagreeable. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's... That's another thing to kind of like, it's really hard to analyze this situation at the same time that it's so very, this, this whole chapter is very recognizably uh, like, these are recognizable social circumstances, even though like some of the some of the details are different than our own society. Everything is very human and relatable, I think. You're you're right that it's not merely losing her livelihood, isn't it? It's losing social status and also I mean acquiring a very like un uh undesirable almost like a kind of 
stain or taint uh i suppose yes yeah um, you mm-hmm. know having been mm-hmm. having been let go it's doubtful that she'll ever be able to find another job like this i suppose um you know, yeah so I, I guess that's the implication it's like right? a black mark on her reputation um, um which again shows you that maybe these are even though these are uh, like servile positions you know they actually might be for a lot of given the social arrangement you know this is preferable to a lot of things um yeah yeah absolutely i mean given the i think it must be really difficult to conceive really of the degree of like inequality of of financial means i guess in 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 a society like this yeah yeah the amount of people kind of right at the bottom of the pile scrabbling for a way up would be would be enormous and positions anyway anywhere above that even if they're demeaning or unpleasant in many ways would be preferable to yeah, mm-hmm. being at the bottom of the heap there. yeah so i guess that's all i have to say about this scene yeah same same